Ultra. Another edition of the Weekend Bugle, your almost always Patreon-exclusive version of Spider-Man Minute, <laughs> sort of news and culture version. I'm Zach Luna. <laughs> news and culture. I'm, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm Scott Corelli, and uh, you're probably listening to this. I mean, you're listening to this if you're a patron, but uh, also this probably popped up in the main feed for all Surprise. of you. Surprise. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so something big in the world of Spider-Man happened this week, and we felt that it was uh, worthwhile to put this out. A lot of big things, actually. I mean, one really, we made the decision before we realized other things were happening, too. But <laughs> yeah, but yeah. but one one main thing, which is uh, the death of Steve Ditko, um, which yeah. we're going to we're going to talk about. Let's you know, let's not bring the house down yet. We'll, we'll talk about that. <laughs> I've got it in uh, in my notes for as as the end because we're going to talk about uh, Steve and uh, probably what is you know arguably considered his kind of uh, Spider-Man masterpiece, which is yeah. uh, if this be my destiny, which is Amazing mm-hmm. Spider-Man issues uh, thirty-one through thirty-three. Yeah. So uh, we're going to be talking about that later toward the end of the main show topic. Yeah, yeah, yeah as our as our main topic um we keep putting things off because other things <laughs> happen uh but uh yeah so we're gonna be talking about that um so stay tuned for that but uh i don't know zach how you doing <laughs> how's, i'm doing <laughs> how's things um, um things are good things are good i uh was just telling scott off mic that um uh bethany and i are uh, my bethany and i are house sitting right now and i just put it together on my way over here to record this, that this sitting down to record this weekend bugle is the first time I have been like back in my apartment proper since the last time we recorded a uh, weekend bugle two weeks oh, ago, because wow. <laughs> we recorded that one. Well, my, my half of that one right before uh, we flew out to visit her family on the East coast. So I was mm-hmm. in New Hampshire for a, about a week and then we went right back into this house sitting gig. So we're up in Echo Park right now. So I've just been running around, living out of suitcases in other people's homes for the last two weeks. So that's that's fun, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> sure. Sort of a, a summer adventure in different types of way too hot environments. Uh, mm. One of them with the, the temperature not rising quite as high, but with 100% humidity. So that was, you know, Ooh. terrible. Uh, and yep. then one of them being... Uh, less humid, but with, you know, the highest highs that Los Angeles has ever had in the middle of uh, July. So, mm. you know, I'm, I spent a lot of time uh, indoors with air conditioning. Um, and that's that's been my That's been my last couple of weeks. How are you doing? Uh, I had the opposite, uh, opposite Ooh, two weeks as okay. you, because uh, 
my Bethany, uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, we both have girlfriends named Bethany. Um, <laughs> it's uh, so I feel like I need to explain that every time instead of taking it for granted. Uh, yeah. That people understand <laughs> and aren't very – it just sounds like we're sharing a girlfriend. It's weird. Yeah, no, that's uh, No, no, no. Not, not that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no. So uh, my Bethany was uh, – she had a family vacation uh, oh. for 4th of July. So she left – and oh. I was, I had the the apartment that I just moved into, uh, her apartment. <laughs> I had it to myself for like a, you know, like a week and a half. Yeah. Uh, wow. She was gone for like 10 days. Um, so I did, uh, the, uh, I did no traveling. Uh, and <laughs> I, you know, I did some, I did some work. Uh, I've, nice. I've, uh, I'm defending my thesis tomorrow. Um, Congrats! Yeah, thanks. Yeah, the real so, deal. Yeah, so so next time, uh, next time I'm on here, I think I might have a master's degree, which is kind of cool. <laughs> um, but <Zero> party. <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah, so that's that's what's going on. Um, I kind of uh, I don't know, man. I was in, I was just in the mood to play a video game, but like I just wasn't. Oof. There wasn't wasn't any new games out really. So like I was sure. just sort of. Um, they had a Fourth of July sale, and I was just sort of trolling through the Fourth of July sale on PlayStation Network, and yeah. uh, I found um, uh, Lego Marvel Superheroes, which I hadn't played, oh. and it was it was on sale yeah. for half off, so it was only like ten dollars. Sure, uh, yeah, yeah. So I went ahead and uh, snatched that up, and uh, I mean, I I just I I played the crap out of that. Um, you, know, <laughs> you get to it's it's fun because uh you know it's a it's a Marvel universe game but um I mean the thing that you quickly <laughs> you quickly understand while playing it is like there's a lot of Spider-Man villains um and yeah. <laughs> they're basically all in that game uh and oh, it was, nice. so that was like that was a lot of fun um Absolutely. so got to play as uh, Lego Spider-Man and Fighting Spidey villains and stuff, so that that game was a uh, that game's a lot of fun. Um, on brand, yeah, 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 yeah. No, it was. I have uh, liked really most fun. of the Lego games that I've tried here and there. I think they have a fun mechanic and tone, mm-hmm. which is really nice, and it would lend itself well to Spidey stuff. I think. Yeah, no, I I agree. I think that um, I think that uh, people who use video games as an aggression outlet um, <laughs> should. <laughs> Uh, should play the Lego games instead of yeah. games where you murder people. Um, totally, yeah. Because uh-huh. uh, man, there's nothing more therapeutic than just running around a city and like literally breaking everything. Uh, <laughs> what can I get out of this? Smash, smash, smash. Yeah. What can I get oh. out of this? Smash. Yeah. Oh man, it's so good. Um, so yeah, so I was uh, I I played that and uh, and beat nice. that. I played that all the way through this week. Um, oh wow. I'm at I'm at. 97.8 percent right now so i'm just like doing like the last few bits to get my 100 percent on it and then i uh mm. i went ahead i enjoyed it so much that earlier this year they came out with um uh, lego marvel superheroes 2 oh. uh, and so i went ahead and bought that because it was on sale too uh it was you know full price game in stores right now and it's like 60 bucks um mm-hmm. but uh it was only 30 because it was half off on that sale uh, so I went ahead and snatched that up too. So I haven't started Appreciate that one stuff. yet, but I'm I'm gonna give I'm gonna play that. It's got um, it it's got uh, Spider Gwen on the cover, so there's Ooh. probably some more uh, spidery characters in that game as well. So I'll have to 
I'll have a I'll have an update uh, next time. Sure. But, yeah. But no, it was I, uh, it's a lot of fun. Awesome. I had like a miniature version of that, wherein when we flew back, uh, the we it was like the weekend, and uh, I originally had a, a Spidey event that I was doing, but it got canceled sort of last minute. So my plans for the weekend when I was going to be working didn't happen, and uh, my Bethany had to go to work at the restaurant that she manages. So I had like two days where I was in the house alone and she went to work and I, uh, <laughs> we found when we were in New Hampshire, we brought back a copy of <clears throat> PlayStation 2's uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer Chaos Bleeds. Oh, yeah. A, uh, <laughs> like that's a, that's, that's a great game. Action adventure game. Yeah. And so I, I hadn't played it. My gaming continues to be on the cutting edge of 2004. So <laughs> I... I went, yeah, I went, I got our PlayStation 2 um, and brought it over to the place where we were house-sitting, and I had, like, two days there where basically all I did was play this Buffy video game, and it was, yeah, it's therapeutic, because you kill vampires and then, you know, learn things, and I just got to, you know, not quite Spider-Man, but Mm -hmm. Spider-Man adjacent, be a teenage superhero that was saving the world and stuff. I, uh, I really like that game because it's, like, it's literally in continuity with Buffy. Yeah. Um, yeah it reminded me of uh that was like that was back when they were like trying to make that a thing the uh the incontinuity <laughs> thing because they did the same thing with ultimate spider-man remember that's right um, yeah yeah the, the video game that took place in continuity with the the comic book um, right right yeah it's a yeah. fun it's a fun thing and and for the most part it's it's well done like of course it is of its time you know oh so none yeah of it, you can't like it's it's count that dated. against it yeah, yeah, no, it's dated, but like the mechanics are fun, and like the the voice acting is fun, and like the actual mythology and everything. Like, there's some really deep cuts in there. Like by the third level, there's like a bit where you run into like Sid, the demon hunter, who is like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's like my favorite part of that game is you get to play as Sid. That's so fun. You get to play as Sid. Who's if you haven't watched Buffy, or if you haven't need a reminder, Sid is a demon hunter whose soul got trapped in a uh, ventriloquist dummy. So he's just like little miniature, yeah. you know, creepy. Uh, chucky doll type thing uh, <laughs> it's just a lot of weird deep cuts in there and i'm i'm having a blast just yeah uh, at night spooking myself out uh <laughs> yeah on, i uh I, I i really love that game um the the first buffy video game was good too but it was uh it's on ex- xbox yeah it's yes, ex- xbox it. exclusive for some reason yeah. i don't know why they did that but <laughs> uh chaos bleeds was on all systems yeah yeah. Smart. We need I mean, more. Uh, we need more TV show, video game. Yeah, you know that's a I thing. Think. That's a thing with video games, just in general. Have you? I don't know. I, I guess you're probably your finger isn't too far on the pulse of video games right now. But no. I, I, I think the thing that's really weird about video games right now is like there, and I think it's bad. I think it's a bad thing about video <laughs> games right now. Um, there's okay. there are no there's there's nothing but AAA games. That's it. That's the only games that get made now. Um, okay. Great. They don't make movie tie-in games and stuff like that. Like the only ones that exist are the Lego games. But that's sure. I mean, they they cost like five dollars to make. Um, yeah, I mean, they they cost a, their own. <laughs> they cost a lot more than that. But you yeah, know, no, but like, comparatively to like other, it's like they have a system and they just they're like, okay, so we'll put some of this in there and this and like they have a bunch of assets and a computer. And they, mm-hmm. we already they know up, how fun it is, right? Yeah. Exactly. They like they they haven't changed the way those games are played like in forever. They're they're <laughs> they have a system and they work within the system. And it's I, I imagine it's a very fast turnaround on those video games. 
So they can't they can't cost that much to make, and that's why they can release those uh, because they always sell. But yeah. uh, those are like the only tie-in games that get released anymore. Like they don't make movie video games anymore, uh, no. or or TV show video games. Like that's just not that's just not a thing. They that stopped being a thing in the last uh, in the last uh, generation console, the uh, 360 crazy, PlayStation man. Three consoles. Um, yeah. Amazing Spider-Man Two, mm-hmm. I think, may have been one of the very last movie tie-in games. Wow! I don't think there's that's, been another one since then. That's nuts to me because for forever those were the only kind of video games I could play. Because I, I, if you haven't listened to the the weekend show that often or heard my video game uh, explanation, I wasn't allowed to have consoles growing up, which is why I'm very excited. Uh, almost 30 years old having a PlayStation 2 now. Um, but but so the only games I could get a hold of were ones that my like parents didn't realize were like full-on video games because I could get stuff for the computer. And they would usually port over movie tie-in games. And those you'd be like, oh, this is like, you know, <laughs> this is a Lord of the Rings, uh, you know, CD-ROM thing with like extra bonus features or whatever. And then I could get the game and play it. So like for a long time, the only games... I had access to as they were coming out. The only games that I was sort of, you know, along with everybody else playing were the movie tie-in games. And a lot of them are terrible, but some of them are yeah. really good. Like the Return of the King video game. I, I played the crap out of that. I loved it. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. There's something no, no, charming no, about that when you, you expect it to be like, eh, and then it's great. <laughs> yeah, well, and even the even the bad ones can be fun in their own way. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. Um, I just... Yeah, I, mi- I miss. Charm to it. Yeah, yeah, I just I miss I miss that I miss the whole tie-in thing. Like I just I think back and I and I think back on how often I played the Tiny Toon Adventures video game on the original Nintendo, <laughs> sure. and I'm just like, that's not a thing anyone has. No one has that anymore. Like they don't they don't make yeah. those kinds of things. And like there are some like um. Uh, like like indie developers that will like put out like you know twenty or thirty dollar games that are like Ninja Turtles or whatever, but like, oh, yeah. but it but they're not. It's just it's not the same. Like they they're trying to be like a throwback game. They're not <laughs> trying to make a game based in you know the the graphics that we're right. using currently. Yeah. And I don't know. It's a whole thing. Anyway, like, like just something I noticed. Buy, like a Berlanti verse video game. Like oh a hundred percent. Oh my like, god. Yes. On. Yes. Yeah. No, that's crazy that that doesn't that the DCW <laughs> shows don't have Hey, why can't I play game. Supergirl game? Like, come on. Yeah. Um, or or just like, I mean, they just did that um that huge crossover event this past year. Oh yeah. yeah uh, uh like uh, make that a video game. I forgot the name of it. Fighting yeah. Nazis. Yeah, Crisis on Earth X. Crisis on Earth X. Yeah. 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 Um, like fighting uh, fighting fighting Nazis from another another universe. Like, come on. That would be a fun game. I don't know. So, anyway. Yeah. Anyway, um, <laughs> that's my that's my video game soapbox. Um, Good job, I like yeah. it. <laughs> so uh, so yeah, so this past week we had uh, we 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 had Alan Strickland on the show um, right. for a uh, a rough week of the movie. <laughs> um, it's just but, all Aunt May stuff. Yeah, yeah, uh, but I think I think we made it through okay. Uh, oh yeah, I mean it, it's always great talking to Alan because he's such a high energy. Uh, yeah. You know, 
dude and uh, i think we got a lot of, i'm gonna think about cemetery hair every time i see this movie so uh, <laughs> worth it <laughs> yeah absolutely worth it yeah <laughs> uh next week we have rachel and adam from uh speaking yes. of ninja turtles uh yeah. from ninja turtles minute and uh and then later in the week we have uh the dorowski brothers yes uh from <laughs> from uh, andrew andrew is from disney animation essentials mm-hmm. Uh, which is on an extended hiatus because he keeps having children. Um, (laughs) How dare he? (laughs) Yeah, I know. Um, But uh, uh, Andrew Dorowski and then Joe from uh, Protagonist Podcast, Joe Dorowski's. So, yeah, the Dorowski's. Um, So that's that's a fun week. Fire. uh, Statistics. (laughs) Um, It was good stuff uh, that week. That's, That's a fun week. So... Uh, look forward yeah. to that. Overall, I, I, uh, I, you know, I like this season a lot. I think we're. Uh, I do too. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Track along. We're just past halfway, having a having a a, a ball. Basically, it's yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It's we're... similarly like deep tissue conversations, but like with a movie that a lot more people are into in a certain way. So it's um, yeah, it's everything I hoped it would be. Basically, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's uh, it's been a lot of fun and. Yeah, we're in full on uh no more Spider-Man mode right now on the show. Yeah. That's uh that's been great. Um so uh the other uh, big thing that happened um was hmm. the release of uh Amazing Spider-Man number 1 yes. from uh, Nick Spencer and Ryan Otley and um Yeah. I read it this morning. This is uh went the Wednesday that it came out uh that hmm. we're talking about it. Um, I read it this morning and I just thought when I read it, I was like, okay, that was, <laughs> that was really good. And, yeah. uh, I want to talk about this with Zach every time it comes out. So, yeah. uh, <laughs> our patrons are now <laughs> paying for my amazing Spider-Man subscription on Comixology yeah. <laughs> so we can talk about, uh, this every time a new issue comes out. Um, cause, yeah. uh. Man, that first issue it, was good. And you you hadn't great. read you hadn't read for the free comic book day yet either, right? I hadn't, but when yeah. we discussed this uh, this morning, we were able to to finagle it. So I'm now caught up with the sort of uh, what do you call it? Issue zero, the one that came out free comic yeah. book day, like the teaser. And yeah. then um this is a good like jumping on point too, because basically if this becomes our sort of regular thing that we do in addition to our main topic every um what do we what do you call this? Bi weekly, two weeks? Yeah, bi weekly. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um that this jumping on point is a great like entry start to the um the storyline that this will just be like starting a new story that we can check in on uh, whenever it comes out which is exciting um i've yeah. never been current on a uh, main title spider-man <laughs> like uh book before which is nice uh not since ultimate spider-man have i been up to date on things because i used to only read trades and I, it would take a while to get them and whatnot so i'm really excited about it uh yeah i don't know um if we want to, do we want to like jump into that now or do any other news things or? Oh, no, no, I, I, I've got, no, I've go. got the, I've got, I've got a, I've got a list of things that we're okay, doing. Okay. All right. Um, Let's I don't want to talk about, I don't want to talk about news yet because one of the news items leads us into our main topic. So. Ah, you're, no, see, you know, Scott, he's <laughs> got stru- that story structure brain of his is yeah. working, uh, even behind the scenes on our hangout show. I like it. Okay. It so we can- <laughs> it's a thing. Um, yeah, so, uh, so let's talk about, um, this amazing Spider-Man issue one. So this is, uh, Nick Spencer, Ryan Otley, uh, 
working together on sort of um, taking, as the title of the story uh, says, taking mm. Spider-Man back to basics. Yes. Uh, yeah. And this this is um, uh, sort of like, we, we got like a taste of them in the free comic book day issue. And so we kind of set up this new status quo with, um, with Peter's new roommate, Boomerang. Yes. Uh, <laughs> just... <laughs> ridiculous he's a terrible roommate because of course he is i adore it yeah yeah i i love that sort of like concept as a starting point i love that the um free comic book day teaser was like just about setting that up and is sort of delightfully absurd uh it's, it's an expensive we got to bring back bo- boomerang we have to yeah like, of course let's yeah it's not even the not even the only uh uh I th- <laughs> superior foe's character I to show up. Think it gets them all in, yeah. Well, other than yeah. The shocker, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. Um. So okay. So this uh, we th- it has an interesting structure. This this issue because mm-hmm. um, we are sort of like going back and forth. There's a big all hands on deck Avengers, Defenders, Guardians of the Galaxy, and Spider Man fight with these aliens in the streets of new york yeah (laughs) um and uh they're all fighting and he's being annoying and everybody is annoyed by him yeah uh but uh we get yeah we just get like a lot of like really cool setup we get um Mm -hmm. uh the kingpin is uh mayor of new york yeah elected mayor yeah yeah, elected mayor of new york uh we get that that whole that whole thing where he's like trying to like kill him with kindness Mm -hmm. uh which is an interesting tactic for the kingpin. Um, yeah, yeah. But I, uh, I just like the, yeah. the idea of we have Spider-Man and we have like all of these other, you know, giant well-known hero teams in the Marvel Universe. And I, it's not as if the the main title in uh, Marvel Comics is unaware of the fact that the MCU at all is, uh, you know, huge driver of traffic towards these things so we have to address it in some way that there's you know the big all the other big teams out there and i like the idea of to preserve quote-unquote the back to basics quote-unquote version of spider-man where he's a bit of a loner a bit of an outsider literally have one of the villains uh isolate him off from the rest of the heroes uh sort of so that discord or whatever where all the other heroes don't really dig him because Kingpin is going way hard on all costume people except for Spidey, which is like the worst thing he can do for Spidey because he craves their approval. I just thought it was like, a, right. it's sort of an offbeat way to do it, but I like it in terms of a story mechanic. How do we get back to the feeling of Spidey being the outsider and not Spidey the Avenger? Right, unquote. right. No, no, it's really good. There's also this really great thing where he's uh, fighting with uh, jo- with Johnny Storm. And <laughs> Johnny Storm is quoting the cantina scene from Star Wars. That's really good. <laughs> he doesn't like you. I don't like you either. It's uh, it's so like it's dumb, but it's great. You know, like th- yeah. that's my favorite kind of stupid reference thing like yeah (laughs) well it's how it's how friends would really talk yes you know yes yeah yeah Uh, which also is Um, how i feel about well before we get to mj but it's how i feel about the mj thing when we get to that um oh um yeah no so this uh the 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 big i guess the big story of this because this is really all about peter's personal life like the Mm -hmm. the actual super heroics is kind of a minor 
footnote in the in the overall story of this this is very much a peter it's like parker the commercial story. breaks yeah 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 like we're we're just dealing with <laughs> peter parker's like actual like personal life and his like uh relationship with his peers and co-workers and in between that the little breaks we have are the big superheroics right uh, it's great yeah <laughs> but the yeah so the main story here is that uh peter being the new science editor of the daily bugle uh, is sent to this new presentation at Empire State University where uh, this woman that he went to school with is presenting this new, uh, this new, uh, what do you call this, an application? I don't know. Like this, a new it's app like, it's thing. It's tech. Yeah. It's, it's, it, well, it's not even. It's, ble- what do you call it? Bleeding software. edge tech. Yeah. It's software. Yeah, it's like software. Um, some some sort it's of called, very advanced software <laughs> yeah, it is it, it what what cuz what the what the problem is that in the Marvel universe like it's easy it's easy enough to uh you know in college to check and see if people are um are uh, are uh, uh copying plagiarizing yeah plagiarizing stuff. Um but mm-hmm. then in the Marvel universe you have the ability to like literally take things from alternate universes and yeah. <laughs> uh, all of these, all of these things. And so what they've done is uh, created this, uh, this software called watcher that is able to analyze uh, any academic writing for, uh, you know, fraudulent stuff. Um, and uh, to, to, uh, <laughs> test it she calls peter parker up and uses his uh doctorate thesis um to uh test the test the stuff and his doctorate thesis was written uh while his he was uh otto octavius during the (laughs) superior spider-man stuff and so it immediately calls it out as fraudulent because he didn't peter parker didn't write that paper otto octavius did and the the, the the thing knows it yeah <laughs> uh, but from everyone else's perspective it just looks like peter stole from Otto octavius yeah and that it's all fraudulent and my <laughs> maybe one of my favorite moments in the entire issue is just like this happens it's public he's you know immediately uh discredited and everybody can see it it's awful but just the little text box they choose there is his inner monologue saying, Oh no, the respect of my peers. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I love that. It's so good. Uh, Yeah, no, he loses. That's the thing. That's the, that's all this is about is, I mean, it's, it's, uh, this issue is a lot like Spider-Man two in many ways, because it is literally about everything going wrong. Like he loses Mm -hmm. the respect of everyone. He loses the respect of his, uh, academic peers mm-hmm. of his uh, peers at the Daily Bugle. He gets fired from the science editor position. Yep. Uh, he loses the respect of Aunt May, uh, who she he can't explain what yep. was going on. Like, he, and that, that's the problem. Is like he has a very good explanation, but unlike Angel on Angel, he can't <laughs> tell anyone what the problem is. Just tell them you're a vampire. Sorry, I'm never angel. gonna. I'm no, never not gonna. I'm parallel. never not gonna wave that flag. It's so yeah. dumb that he never just tells people, "No, no, I'm a vampire with a soul. I'm not just a demon. It's fine. It's fine." Oh, you're a vampire with right. a soul. Okay, fine. Um, oh, that is that is different. That oh, does change everything. That does change things. Oh, you're fine. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's it's a great. I was just sort of 
as I went along watching it, um, especially with the like title in my head the whole time, idea of like Back to Basics, Peter Parker. That we've spent so much time in the recent comics away from a quote. I'm saying quote unquote way too much. Uh, this podcast. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm trying to say my opinions, but not like put them in the ground as if they're the the only true reality. I just mean in general. Mm-hmm. People talk about like a Back to Basics regular Peter Parker, like we talk about on the main channel. It's life being tough to Peter Parker. It's life, you know, uh, smacking him down. And in recent stories with Peter where he's head of the CEO tech company or he's actually Otto Octavius, that hasn't, we haven't been in that space for a while. And so to watch this go along kind of meticulously having life crap on Peter, it felt like I'm not enjoying Peter being upset, but I am enjoying life crapping on Peter Parker. Like I was just like, oh yeah, this yeah. is delightful. Like, oh yeah, oh keep going. Yes, yes, do it. Like No, and it's <laughs> and it's the perfect it's the perfect kind mm-hmm. um of of life crapping on Peter Parker because the thing is, like you're just like, oh man, what 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 bad luck Peter has that that, you know, his his uh, doctorate was proven false, mm-hmm. and and all of this thing, and and but the thing is, and you're like, oh man, that really sucks for him. But yeah. um, as he points out, I they're not wrong. He didn't earn that doctorate. Right. right. It's not his. It's Otto Octavius's. Mm-hmm. Otto earned that doctorate, not him. Yeah, I could have said and, something. But I didn't. Yeah. I just left left that doctorate on the wall and let it help me, with, you know, prop up my credentials oh my God. For later in life. And then yeah. the, the comparison to <sighs> letting the thief go yeah. that killed Uncle Ben and just realizing, like, oh, I was doing it again. Yeah, yeah. What is it? Okay, I've like, got, I, I, I wrote down the line because it kind of just, like, floored me. He says, uh, there it is. See, this is the thing that always gets me. Doing the wrong thing isn't the problem. It's not doing the right thing. And then they have the flashback mm-hmm. to the carjacker who killed Ben, where it's, yep. yeah, sure, Peter, of course you're in your right. Well, you don't have to. Be- bur- burglar. Bur- oh, burglar. Burglar in yes, 616. Yes, yeah. <laughs> the burglar. Not carjacker. Yeah, not carjacker. Oh, although I can understand the confusion because they literally recreate they the scene. They look like Joe Papa John. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, this is Papa John. Yeah. Like it's literally like the Sorry, Michael like the, Papa John. Thanks. <laughs> like yeah, it's the it's like, They have thanks. him in the elevator um, with the elevator doors closing. It's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. Um so yes, 100%. like the the burglar that kills Uncle Ben. Um that that idea of not putting not risking yourself to do the right thing is what gets you. And it's not that you made an evil choice, it's that you didn't make the brave, courageous, heroic choice. Um, right. When you notice that you finally got your life back and Otto is in his own clone body now and you are Peter Parker again, and you notice that he has earned a, a, a degree in during your absence and it's sitting on your wall there, you could say something and get rid of... You know, you would have to... I don't know how you... <laughs> I don't know how, but you could have done something... That wasn't just the passive role because the oh you just oh you you just go get another doctorate that you yes. just start you go you go back to school and you get a new yeah, a second it. doctorate yeah. yeah yeah and then you earn it yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. no you, no one's stopping you from earning multiple doctorates you could get a doctorate in every everything yeah. everything you could get a doctorate <laughs> in if you wanted yeah. to um, yeah but he yeah, instead he so. benefited from the something somebody else's work because. Just sitting and doing nothing is a choice, and it's not. Mm-hmm. It's not always a 
direct choice towards evil or a direct choice towards, you know, doing things that hurt people. But a passive yeah. choice like that is still not the same as standing up and making the right and making the right choice, doing the right thing. Right. And, and you know, when you're when you're in his head at that moment, it's like, well, you know, mm-hmm. I he stole my body. Yeah, I I, you know, I, I should be able to get something out of that. Right. Okay, well, I got a doctorate out of it, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, that's not... And at least I had Unreasonable. This, yeah. Like, it's not an unreasonable connection to me. No, no, but just uh, the idea as, that... Like, as a human being, He continued yeah. to build his new life off of the, the status quo that had been established by Otto. And in doing that, like, right. when he does get ousted this way, where they show that his... <laughs> it's not plagiarized but it was plagiarized uh thesis right. and then that leads to him getting fired from the bugle and that leads to people old employees pointing out that Otto used to take credit for their uh you know inventions all the time back at uh right parker's company horizon labs and so now he's gonna get lawsuits against him because Otto did do those things and that's the legacy you built off of without cleaning house so you know yes it's the, it's life being terrible to peter but it's also peter not cleaning up after himself you know like yeah just wanting to go back to the way things were without earning it yes yes you and know? that's just the good to, like, oh, type of drama where it's not right it's not just wanton cruelty towards a character it's you know tough things that mean something and that's what you should build stories out of is tough things that mean something is that conflict i don't know what the technical term for that is maybe there's a <laughs> yeah it's conflict yeah tough things that mean something um so. but uh but yeah so so he uh he loses everything and so he has no choice like even aunt may is disappointed like everybody's disappointed yeah. and uh and everyone is we're, we're cutting back and like you kind of get the get the idea that um he is involved in this alien invasion thing because he's needs to beat some aggression out of stuff (laughs) um you know like it 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 seems like this is all on his mind while he's dealing with this alien invasion thing Mm -hmm. uh with the rest of uh with the rest of the avengers and everyone else in the marvel universe and there's this i there is this just choice thing that happens (laughs) where He's fighting with Black Cat, who's apparently oh like yeah. a good, a good, a good guy again. Sure, whatever. Uh, yeah. she, she she was a bad guy for like I don't know, like three years, something like that. Okay. Um, she was a bad guy. Something to do with something Otto did to her. Gotcha. Um, and then she's like, "Oh, you're you're a jerk, Spider Man. I'm gonna be bad guy now." Um, I don't know. Okay. Anyway, anyway, she's back. Uh, in good so. Places. Yeah, so she's back in the game apparently, and uh, he's like, "Oh, I realize what's happening, and I need to go. I need to go jump into this portal, and that'll shut the portal down." Mm-hmm. Um, I forget what science he he figures it out, but uh, it's whatever he, Otto's paper he, was written on. Because so when he was like dwelling yeah. about how frustrated he is, like, and I, the the thing, I I even know that stuff. I could have written that paper. I just didn't. Then he's like, "Oh wait, randomization in such and such. Oh oh oh." The portals are random. Yeah. Like he figures it out because of his daydream. Right. Yeah. Right, right, right. And so uh, he's he's jumping into the, he's about to jump in the air. He's like building a slingshot to ju- like, l- you know, launch himself into the air. And uh, <laughs> and Felicia Hardy, the black cat, says, Spider, what the hell are you doing? 
and he, he says something that will stop these guys. But if that's but but uh, I, I mean it might cause me a horrible, painful death. But if that's how it goes, bye, Felicia. <laughs> And then slingshots in the air and goes, oh, God, please don't let that be my last joke. Oh, oh, it's so fun because it's <laughs> it's a bad joke. And and that's I miss that, you know, like, <laughs> I miss, yeah, like, like Spider-Man is a fun character. Right. But he's not good at comedy. You know, I no. Uh, that like the groan that that got out of me was so fun and then of course you know hanging the lantern on it because he said like he said please don't let that be my last joke that was so he dives he dives into the dives into the portal and then the portal turns into a fishbowl and he realizes that the whole invasion is a special effect caused by mysterio And Mysterio is in, like, the middle of a big rant about, you know, uh, the the whole world will kneel before me. It is why Mysterio engineered their greatest defeat. And they'll bow before me. And then, like, Peter just, like, knocks on the glass. And he's like, ah, <laughs> oh, hell. And then it's just a <laughs> bog-standard Spider-Man beatdown. Because he, he got him. Like, well, you know, he, he got you. He caught you. And then he beats him up and ties him up. And Mysterio just says... I just wanted to try something different, you know? I felt like I was in a rut, which... <laughs> I'm loving it. I'm just loving it. Oh, so good. Um, and then, uh, and then and Spidey, uh, Spidey heads off uh, into the night, and we see him talking to someone, and we don't know who, but he's basically saying, uh, I could do this. By myself, but I don't want to. I I want to do it with you. Mm-hmm. Like I don't I don't want to be just me anymore. I I want it to be us because that's when I was at my best. Yeah. And then, uh, and then we reveal that he's talking to Mary Jane, and they kiss, yeah. and they're back together. Yeah, again, parallels with Spider Man too. Uh, yeah, <laughs> like they have a brief. You know, uh, like coffee meeting earlier in it, um, which again was one of the moments in this. Uh, I keep calling it an episode because I don't read comics enough. In this issue, that um, really got me feeling like, oh, they're on the right foot here. Which was all this stuff is like going poorly for him, and he meets like his one friend to tell them about it, and <laughs> Mary Jane just laughs in his face about how ridiculous his life is. She just like roasts him over it, uh, yeah. and I was like. <laughs> Yes, good. That's MJ. Yes. And mm-hmm. and I was like, and I sometimes I'm immediate like immediately having my analytical brain running as I'm in experiencing the thing. And sometimes I'm just like I'm a sucker for the tropes as they're happening, so I don't think about them until like the second read through or the second watch or whatever. Um but it was great at the end of that scene where they had like lunch together, I was like, oh, this is a fun like type of status quo type of thing where they're on good terms with their best friends. Like that's that's kind of nice. And but he still kind of longs a bit. Yeah, oh, that'll be a fun thing. Maybe they'll return to that. And then by when we got to the end of the issue, and I was like, oh oh man, oh they're doing it. Like I I got caught up in the moment. I was very excited. Like this, I don't know. It just felt like getting all of our iconography back in, um, but not in like mm-hmm. a cheap way. Not in like a cheesy like 
there is a time loop and now everything has been reset to the way it was. It's just like, what are the things that make Spider-Man feel like Spider-Man and how do we recontextualize them and have, you know, Spider-Man and his struggles and his friends. Yeah, Yeah, because the the thing is, like, everyone is like, oh, I want the marriage back. And it's like, (sighs) well... You don't. You don't want the marriage back. You just want them back. Yes. Like yeah. you, you want them together again. And now you have them together again. And this is this is the good stuff. Like yeah. they should have the mistake was ever having them get married. Mm-hmm. They never needed to be married. They could have been they could have still been together. Like this entire time. They could have never broken up. Mm-hmm. They could have been like, you know, Lois Lane and Clark Kent. Like just yeah. a couple all the time. They don't have to get married. Uh and yeah, they're just a they're a team. Yeah, uh, and I I love I love that they're back together. Me too. Uh, I think yeah. it's great. I think it's a great move, mm-hmm. and it's a like you said, it's not cheap. Mm-hmm. It's just like I really just I you know I like them together. Yeah, yeah, and so they're gonna be together now, and that's awesome. I love that. It is awesome, and I'm digging this uh, this art too um, by oh god I'm gonna screw up his name unless I check Ryan Otley. Yeah, Ryan Otley. Um, yeah, because I did not uh, read his his previous series or whatever. Um, and I it took me a while to adjust to like the way he does faces. Uh, but that is such mm-hmm. a surface level critique of a really gifted artist. I mean, I I was kind of blown away by some of these like uh, the big action stuff. Uh, when we do get to it, I was like, oh man, um, he just ha- he has a facility for um, staging things in dynamic ways uh I'll, I'll adjust to faces i always do like a lot of my he has uh <laughs> he does he has a very specific way that he draws faces but the, but you know so does someone Everybody. like bagley yeah, yeah um yeah and it's the way that he draws faces I, I mean i'm used to it because i mean my my biggest hurdle with his artwork on this is just like is this not invincible? Am I not really <laughs> invincible right now? Because I've, I've, I just, he's only drawn one thing his entire career. Yeah, yeah. And so it's, it's real weird uh, seeing him draw something else. It's cool though. Oh yeah. Um, but uh, his facial acting is, yeah, awesome. Yeah, it's excellent. Yeah, when I say the way he draws faces, I just mean the, the shapes of faces he chooses, not like. Mm-hmm. Like he's very good at uh, acting through the uh, page, you know. Yeah. Like he's he's yeah. good at reactions and the way people emote and all that, all that good stuff. I just I always have to like adjust to what what people think human faces look like. That's <laughs> for sure. But it's like you know, um, and that's a, the Ramita Junior comic or something. You adjust to the way they do faces. Um, oh yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because even uh, Ramita Junior is my favorite my favorite uh spider-man artist mm. period yeah. and um i uh even even then like when i was reading the old issues going from ditko to ramito was like whoa <laughs> like it like it felt weird i was like did i like this guy what is up with that uh and then and then you kind of get settled into the new style and you're like oh yeah. oh, oh okay. that's right i do i do love this that's right <laughs> um it just it yeah it takes a second uh but yeah then we get this sort of like we get this sort of uh, mid-credit sequence. Yes, the, um, the Mysterio bonus. Of, yeah, of Mysterio uh, on on trial for uh, what he did, and then somebody sends um, the Beetle, right? Yeah, that's her the name. Yeah, the Beetle. From, yeah, yeah to be his lawyer. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so she shows up to defend him, but he wants to defend himself, and then everyone starts. 
puking rats and slugs and bugs and stuff. And then the whole courtroom crumbles. And then this guy who we don't know walks in. Yeah. I don't know who this guy is. I don't, I don't know either. He must be a new person, I guess. I guess. Yeah. I'm not familiar with him. He's sort of framed um, as if he's like a literal demon. So, uh, yeah. I don't know. Maybe he's Azazel adjacent or something or Mephisto connected or something. But, um, yeah, he's like a demon. Uh, because I guess Mysterio died and was brought back or whatever, and so there's this whole element of right. I can take you back to hell or whatever. <laughs> it's, it's really dark. Right. Which makes me wonder if if we're not going to slowly get the marriage back, or at least their memories of the marriage back. Maybe, yeah, because um, of uh, Brandy. Because maybe. that might be yeah. what this is connected to, you uh-huh. know, uh-huh. thematically. Mm. Um. Mm. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. But it's creepy. It's creepy <laughs> so. and cool. And then, like, it's it sort of... He gets off on an insanity plea. Right. Because, like, the, all the crazy, gross stuff that's happening sort of evaporates. And you just see Mysterio in the courtroom freaking out. And uh, they're like, oh, wow, yeah, I guess we should do an insanity plea. Wow, good job. Um, right. And everything's yeah. back to normal for a sec. Uh, so, yeah, he's apparently our, uh, the villain, the big bad to watch mm-hmm. um, for the immediate future. And then we get a post credit. <laughs> tag yeah uh where the woman who uh, ruined peter's career um <laughs> basically uh starts giving him syllabus syllabus uh, like syllabi and textbooks and stuff and he's like wait i don't understand i thought i don't have my doctorate anymore and she's like yeah no you don't but uh and we really didn't want to give you another chance but we got an impassioned plea from one of our uh one of our uh, one of our professors yeah. to uh, one of our faculty to give you another chance because they believe in you and they understand where you were coming from. Apparently, I don't know, but here <laughs> he is. And then he walks into class because he's going to, they're allowing him to earn his doctorate himself. Yeah. Uh, and when he walks into class, uh, who's teaching it, but uh, not Kirk Connors, the lizard. Yes. Uh, in full lab coat and everything yeah. at a whiteboard. And he's so he's like taking up the whole front of the classroom because he's so big. He's a big alligator creature. Oh man, I that is that is some perfect comic booky nonsense. Uh, a to be continued thing over an image of the lizard at the front of a classroom being like Peter Parker, have a seat. I love it. I just, mm-hmm. I just love it. Yeah, back to school, back to basics, back to everything. Uh, so I, good. Yeah. I was just endlessly charmed by this uh, today as I was going through it. I was just, um, you know, even even stuff like like his roommate situation, not just with Boomerang, but also with uh, Randy, uh, Robbie Robertson's son, like just the whole working while your life is like terrible <laughs> type of thing. I just, yeah, I just love the vibe of it. And I, I like the, um, I like the way it's paced and I, I like the, um, the voice that Spencer's got for this. I'm really digging it. Um, mm-hmm. The tone is just perfect. The tone, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, I love it. I love it so much. Uh, I am excited to read this, the, the next issue. Uh, I was very excited <laughs> uh, reading the letter from Nick Lowe, the uh, editor. Oh, um, yeah. Sort of, sort of introducing the, the crew. I was very excited to learn that this was going to be coming out every two weeks. <sighs> Uh, and, uh, so I was like, oh, thank God. That's, that's awesome. That's amazing. Uh, and I'm, I'm excited about that, uh, because then it means that, uh, we can talk about a new issue, like basically every time we do a weekend bugle, which is cool. (laughs) 
It's as if they did it so. for us. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, you'll you'll hear us talk about the new issue of Amazing Spider-Man um, every every weekend bugle uh, going forward. I think because I think so too. yeah yeah because it's it's a lot of fun. And I, <laughs> I when I read it, I was like, Zach has to read this until <laughs> it's on Marvel Unlimited in nine months. Like I want him to read it now. <laughs> like it was such a confusingly urgent message I got from Scott where he didn't want to include info in it. And I was like, Oh, he, he, something cool must be going on. And he's like, we just got to read this comic. He's like, okay. And then I did. I was like, Oh, I get it. I get why. Like this is <laughs> capital G good stuff. Uh, I'm, yes. I'm for it. Um, oh man. Awesome. All the way on. Board. Um, so anyway, uh, that's that. Mm-hmm. Um, how about some news? Yeah, um, a couple news items. Let's start with uh, let's start with uh, let's let's sandwich our bad news. How about that? Okay, sure. Um, yeah, we'll start with uh, <laughs> this is very old. It happened right after we recorded last week. Yes, uh, so we didn't get to talk about it. Um, but uh, if you guys remember, if you're listening to this on the main feed and you're not a patron, you might not remember us talking about this. But we with when the when the concept for the Morbius movie was released, we were both like. Okay. Yeah. All right. Mm. Like, mm. I mean, you know, there's no reason to make a Spider-Man spin-off movie without Spider-Man in it. But if you're going to do it, you know, having a movie about a man who turns himself into a vampire and is so ashamed of what he's become, decides that he's only going to feed on other vampires is a really good pitch. Yeah. Yeah. For a Morbius Like that's Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, <sighs> it's really cool. Uh, and then, so I was, I was like, pretty I was up like, on it. I was pretty like, yeah, yeah very yeah. optimistic. Mm-hmm. And then they cast Jared Leto as Morbius, and I was like, wow, I, I don't, I, I don't think that there was anything you could have possibly have done to completely remove my interest entirely <laughs> in one fell swoop. <laughs> than casting Jared Leto as Morbius, yeah. I was just like instantly, I was like, oh, nope. do not mm-hmm. want, I don't, I do mm. not want that. Um, I honestly, guys, really, if that movie actually gets made, I can't even guarantee that Zach and I will go see it, to be honest. That's just not in my scope of interest here, guys. I mean... Anything Jared Leto is not in either of our scopes of interest, I think. Um, Um, Unless it's my so-called life. That's... That's where my Jared Leto interest uh, begins and ends. Yes, that statute of limitations still works on that one. But not to rehash all the <laughs> reasons why, just as a person, Jared Leto has been just absolutely awful to his uh, co-stars and people and mm-hmm. various allegations against him. It just, I just, I, 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 I don't want to watch stuff he's in. I'm not into it. I'm not interested. Um, you know, no. like, I can handle him being like the sleazy bad guy in Blade Runner. Sure, that's fine. But... Um, even still, it made me uncomfortable. And yep. if if he is helming a project, there's no real reason I'm going to seek it out. So um, no, no, he off. is. Uh, he he became when when around did he become a poor man's Johnny Depp? Oh God, I don't know. Um, when did that happen? Post Fight Club, but uh, pre was it pre was, was it um yeah was it um. <sighs> Maybe was it the Dallas Buyers Club? Dallas Buyers Club? Yeah. 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 Okay. I think that was yeah, I think we're both in agreement of that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. I think it's Dallas Buyers Club is when he became a poor man's Johnny Depp. Uh, and 
now uh, they're like casting him in all the things that they would normally cast Johnny Depp, except no one wants to work with that guy anymore. Yeah. Uh, and uh, but this guy's not any better. No, guys, I, I don't know. Find someone new, please. You don't have to. Th- this is a. It feels there, to me like it's stuff like this. <sighs> it's stuff like this where I'm just like, man, I really wish Heath Ledger hadn't died because yeah, we, man. we need him. In, <laughs> we, we need, need him a in dedicated movies. weirdo like that, like a, a dedicated movie weirdo who is like a good dude. Um, yeah. yeah, it's just if for part of me, it feels like the dying gasp of a method of movie making uh, that is like the idea of like a bankable star of mm-hmm. people desperate to build a packaged deal in a movie that they feel investors will think will make them money because they're nervous about the aspect of art that is an aspect of art that you can't take away that things aren't guaranteed okay so yeah but the problem the problem with that though is that like jared leto that's what i'm saying like what since when is he a bankable star he's never been a bankable star right but it's like once he was in, like, well, I guess Suicide Squad did okay money. Uh, he was in. A That's m- not because of him. Not because of him. That's because of Margot yeah. Robbie. Thank you very much. And maybe, Margot Robbie maybe to a, a lesser extent, Will Smith. Will Smith. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, Jared Leto's not the draw in that movie. Uh, no, Jared Leto's not the draw in anything, uh, no. unless you are a Thirty Seconds to Mars fan. Uh, who, who is those who exist? Is, yeah. <laughs> Unless you're a 30 Seconds to Mars fan who is buying a ticket to go see a 30 Seconds to Mars show, there is no situation where Jared Leto is the draw. So the idea of this thing where a person was in a movie that did well, we will put them in another movie and that will make the movie do well, is just, it's ludicrous. It's from a past time. We don't, we don't do that anymore. Now it's, if it's not the franchise uh, with like a known IP entity, it's, the story and word of mouth that gets people to go see a movie like A Quiet Place or something. But there's no, besides Tom Cruise, there's no old yep. school like uh, this is a and even Tom Cruise even movie, he's and even he's not a guaranteed bankable star. Only The Rock, like The Rock, is the only one. Yeah, yeah. And even then, even then, Baywatch didn't work out. Baywatch, yeah. Um, and it, it's just, they aren't all hits, you know. It's no. You no. can't just well, get people. Then again, then again, people don't want to see The Rock in a comedy. They wanted to see him in an action movie, yeah, not a comedy. So that was a that was a that Odd was a problem with genre more than anything around. else. Um, but <laughs> yeah, but yeah, just that idea. But anyway, yeah, that idea that like, oh, we have a quote unquote successful actor. My God, Zach, find a different, find a different. <laughs> like rhetorical phrase like device to use for this episode my god um are you are, were you just like noticing that you were doing something listening back to the show or something no just like today i'm noticing it as oh. it's happening today i just like oh, okay. i've said quote unquote maybe like five times so far in just this oh. episode and I, it's out i of- have not i've i've not noticed i i you're giving yourself a complex appreciate it yeah it's standard zach mode um <laughs> just, I mean, now I forgot what I was trying to say. Something you're, about you're giving yourself a quote-unquote complex. God damn it! Yeah, that's what's happening. <laughs> and that's the week of you, folks. That's what we do here. Uh, yeah, just oh. I, yeah, this doesn't. This isn't how movies are made anymore. This isn't how people make decisions to go see something when we live in a landscape where there's so much else competing for your time. Yeah. I'm not just going to go see a movie because Jared Leto's in it. 
What? No. What? No. 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 It's terrible. I would much rather watch a Morbius movie with Tommy Wiseau. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know. Come on. It's, it's right yeah. there. Yeah. So, so anyway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway. Uh, <laughs> for those of you who think I earnestly mean that, I'm just, I'm just saying I would... Out of morbid curiosity, out of Morbius mor- curiosity, <laughs> I would, I would watch a Tommy Wiseau Morbius movie uh, before I would watch a Jared Leto Morbius movie because Jared Leto sucks and Tommy Wiseau is very earnest. Um, yeah, and I don't, I don't believe the Jared Leto is. Uh, <laughs> yes, well said. <laughs> so, anyway, anyway. Um, so then, uh, speaking of uh, weird actors uh, taking on roles, yeah. Um, Nicolas Cage cast as Spider-Man in uh, yes. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Of course, That's there's a, lots of Spider-Man. Yeah, it's a bit of a um, clicky title on that one, but I yeah. understand why people write it. He's Spider-Man it's, Noir in this, which which is perfect. Boy, I that's that. great. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> no, I can I can imagine I can imagine what tone of voice he's going to be using yeah. in in that and as that character and i'm like yeah no i love that i love that's that's really good casting i like that a lot yeah and this is (sighs) this is second uh voice role uh this year because he's also he's playing uh superman in uh the teen titans go to the movies yes yeah which again wonderful that's (laughs) yep because of the tim burton movie didn't get made yes that's that's great and uh nicholas cage a very different type of uh, weird actor thing that we're going to sort of touch on here. The idea of Nicolas Cage, the, it's even like a joke on Community. It was like, well, is Nicolas Cage a bad actor or a good actor? Nicolas Cage is just a very unique person. And if you mm-hmm. use him the right way, he is wonderful. Um, he will elevate your material in ways you would not have yeah. been prepared to elevate I, it. But you have to be on board. You can't... Uh, yeah, I, I think his... You have to build a project around whatever Nicolas Cage is doing yeah. because he's not going to change what his performance is mm-hmm. for your project. Yes. So yes. either you're going to be on board for it or you're not. Yeah. Uh, either you can use this tool properly or it's going to wreck your thing you're building. Uh, right. You know? Right. It just depends on if you can roll with the Nick Cage punches or not. <laughs> um but uh, I, I'm excited. Yeah, no, he, but he is, he is a fantastic actor. I mean, the thing yeah. is, like, I did you see the, um, the, the, uh, mm-hmm. Tim Burton Superman documentary? No, I've been meaning to the, uh, oh, Super, what happens? Superman lives. What, what is it called? Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I actually, um, I, I, I own it digitally, so maybe I'll get it up on the on the i'll get it up somewhere where you can uh grab it and watch it Um, because i don't i don't think it's available streaming anywhere Mm. um but uh i uh i i am honestly i've never been on board for nicholas cage's superman like when i heard that i was like oh that would have been terrible (laughs) but watching him talk about his take on superman and clark kent there's like just this candid you know a camcorder shot video of him in costume fittings for Clark and for Superman. And he's like talking about like how he'll walk as the different characters and act and react to people. And it, and it, I was just like, That's Oh right. my God, yeah. like this is That's so right good. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, and he, I mean, yeah. 
Not for nothing. I mean, the man loves, loves, loves Superman and comics and all that. I mean, yeah. lifelong. He named his son Kal El, right? Like, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, he's only he's only one of like twelve people who own uh, Action Comics number one. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, or maybe he doesn't anymore. I think he did. It was one recently. of several poor financial decisions uh, Nicholas Cage yeah. made in his life. But I mean, this right. is a man who. When did Nicholas Cage start acting? Uh, which. 80s? The 80s, Valley yeah. Girl? You know what I'm saying? 80s around. So, okay, so this is a man who, when he started acting in the 80s and needed to choose a stage name for himself because he didn't want Coppola to be there uh, on the end of his name, making people think what they should think when they see Coppola on the end of his name, uh, he, did, he chose his stage name by naming himself after <laughs> Luke Cage, which was one of his favorite characters in Marvel Comics. Like, Nobody in the 80s was making large life decisions based off of Luke Cage. I That's Man. amazing. Luke Cage on Netflix should really think about bringing him on For as like a villain. Yeah. 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 That, uh, because that would be, that would be cool. That would be, that would be unique. <laughs> and like, I get it. I get that knee jerk like, oh God, <laughs> Nick Cage is Superman. Imagine how dumb that would be. Um, because to be frank, in most conversations about, um, you know, s- s- casting, like fan casting things, people mm-hmm. are very hung up on superficial aesthetic things. They just are. Yep. They just really yep. are. And um, if you don't have a face like Henry Cavill, people will just laugh at the idea of you being Superman. Um, but yep. it shouldn't be that way, I don't think. And... No, it's not like Nick. no. You're 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 completely right. Uh, <sighs> just like I also believe that uh, Mary Jane doesn't have to be, have red hair to be Mary Jane necessarily. Yeah, I don't um, know. If, have I laid this out <laughs> on the main show or not? I I know I've mentioned it at one point, but the thing that sort of blew my mind when there was a bunch of like fan backlash over hair color when um, Emma Stone was originally going to play uh, Gwen Stacy. It was this, there was this whole hair-based fan backlash that happened. I was there. I remember people being yep. angry at the idea of Emma Stone being Gwen Stacy because, well, Emma Stone's a redhead and, like, Gwen Stacy's a blonde and, like, it's, like, really messed up. Like, they should, like, get, like, this, like, other hot blonde person that I, like, really like to play it. And uh, Emma Stone's a blonde. Like, Emma Stone is naturally a blonde person. She's right. born, she has blonde hair. That's her thing. And then she dyed her hair red and that was like her brand for a while and she got a lot of roles with red hair and then when she went back to her natural hair color she was Gwen Stacy but it like there was two levels of like being mad at her for having red hair because she shouldn't have red hair when it would be fine to cast a red-haired actress as Gwen Stacy and then the secondary level of they were mad at her for not being a blonde when she really was a blonde like it did right people are also ugh. also th- at third level there's a thing called hair dye it's yeah, been around geez. for years i uh. <laughs> crazy um yeah Yeah. no all of that all of that is crazy Mm -hmm. uh that probably won't be the last time we talk about that story um (laughs) because we're about a year away from talking about that movie true um oh boy so uh more than a year two years um yeah but uh anyway um yeah so uh nicholas cage of spider-man noir i'm for it way for Uh, it i think i think it's a perfect perfect voice choice 
for that character. Yeah. Um, for that. Especially since like the only other voice I have for comparison is uh, the voice actor from the 90s Fox cartoon <laughs> who played him in the video game. Yeah, in the um, Web of Shadows. The Shadow Dimensions. Yeah. Shadow Dimensions. Um, Shadow Dimensions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because for that, for that character, which is a, you know, it's a, a grim... I mean, it's called, it's literally noir is in the title, but it's like he's a more angry, more sort of violent, uh, weirdo version of Spider-Man. Um, right. Come on. He's got cage. guns. Yeah. Like, I mean, come on. It's a whole thing. I... Yeah. So, um, so anyway, so that's good. I'm, I'm excited about that. I continue to be extremely excited for that movie. Yeah. Uh, and it's coming out very soon. Um, speaking of uh, other movies, another movie that will be out about seven months later uh <laughs> spider-man far from home yes uh production has began has begun um uh, i love all of the i love all of the the faux clickbait headlines where they're like uh spider-man far from home begins production and there's a surprising cast member on set and then it's literally like peter parker he's alive <laughs> <laughs> my god you um, guys yeah or the or I the hate like all of you, <laughs> the clickbaity headlines. They're like, uh, Kevin Feige just revealed this about the time that this like a crazy secret about the time that Tom Holland revealed the title of Spider Man Homecoming. Spoiler alert: He was told to. Like, yeah, duh. Like, my God. It, it, yeah. <laughs> yes, it was a planned marketing. Of course, it was a planned marketing stunt, Mike. Yeah, of course. So, uh, so anyway, um, we uh, we got uh, J B Smoove yeah. from. Uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm, Curb enthusiasm. cast yeah. as a mystery character. They won't reveal, but they say that he is leading the ensemble cast. Hmm. Um, hmm. So I don't know. I don't know what that means. A lot of people are jumping to the conclusion that it's uh, that he's playing J. Jonah Jameson, but I think that's exactly why he's not. Mm. It's, yeah. I bit. yeah. I just don't. I don't buy it. And I'm on record saying I don't want. I don't want Jonah until he's in college. until he's in college. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I buy it he's uh, he's part of the Manhattan world, um, and our yeah. Spider-Man Tom Holland Spidey is hasn't left Queens yet. He's he's still in Queens. Yeah. Um. So I I think he's probably going to be like the teacher who is running the field trip or something. Yeah. Um, or well, actually, no, out. he's not. He's not in. It, it's uh the movie takes place over summer vacation, so he's actually not in school. Oh. Okay. Um, so. Oh. So yeah. Some so he of... would not. So he wouldn't be – there's no teachers in this one. Interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah. Theoretically. Theoretically. That's what I read. I, that, that could be wrong. Yeah. I don't know. But that um, – the whole con- – that there was the concept in the first film of, oh, we have this opportunity. We have all these sort of small side characters because there's a high school. Let's populate them with like really interesting comedians. So we will have, you know, Hannibal Burris right. be the gym teacher and we will have right. – um, <laughs> Oh, no. I'm blanking on his name uh, from – Silicon Valley and from Martin Star. Martin Star. Uh, you know, have Martin Star as the debate coach and all that. Um, it was a nice structure for putting a lot of like interesting, fun comedians in there. And um, the director of both the Spider-Man Homecoming, Spider-Man Home movies. I don't know what to call this trilogy. They're making, <laughs> um, is one of those indie, weird comedy uh, LA people. So he knows a lot of people like this. So the I. I don't know what structure is analogous in this one, what group of ensemble cast there will be that's not the teachers, but whatever group mm-hmm. that is, I assume it'll be more reveals like this, like some other cool comedian who is also going to be in this and uh, right. doing I, uh, uh Someone suggested on the, on the group, someone suggested um, 
Quentin Beck's agent. I liked. <laughs> I thought that was fun. I thought that was funny. Um, so I kind of like that. Yeah. Uh, I I actually um, I think it'd be cool if he was like if we don't we don't maybe he doesn't even work at the bugle yet and he's mm. playing uh, Robbie Robertson. Ooh, that would be fun. Ooh, ooh, yeah. Yeah. Like he befriends Peter before getting a job at the bugle. And then he's the reason that Peter gets the job at the bugle later yeah. on. Yeah. He's like, oh, I know this kid. I like this kid. Yeah. We can trust him, Jonah. Yeah. yeah I kind of dig Yeah. It. And, and again, to be absolutely clear, I would be totally on board with him playing J. Jonah Jameson. I think. Oh, yeah. I no, think it would be great. I just I, I'm totally I on board with him playing happening. Jonah. I just don't want Jonah in this movie. <laughs> right. I just don't want Jonah in this movie. But if he's playing Jonah, that's awesome. Um, J.B. Smith yeah, is for sure. hilarious. Um, and also... Yeah. I, this is my dumb theory that I don't think is going to happen, but I, it could be mm. fun. When they said like, is headlining the ensemble cast or whatever, I had the idea briefly because we had talked about that. I thought maybe the chameleon might be somehow in this picture. Oh. I don't know if he will be, but the idea of the ensemble cast being everybody who's playing the chameleon because the chameleon changes his face all the time. So we <laughs> <laughs> You'd have like a rotating group of like cool people and they, they each keep being the chameleon. I don't know. That fun. is cool. <laughs> so who knows? But yeah, he's good. And I should definitely get back to watch uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm. I've only seen like a couple episodes out of context and it's... I I have <sighs> never... I've never seen it. Oh, man. Um, oh, boy. Yeah, yeah. no. Never. Because it's never... Uh, it, it didn't strike me as my kind of humor. Oh, that's fair. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, but I don't I don't know. There's something I I'll be honest, I have an aversion to improv. Sure, yeah. Okay. I Just uh -huh. as a writer, I have an, <laughs> I have, an, I have a, a aversion to improv. So when somebody was like, "Yeah, no, they write the situation and then they improv everything." And I was like, "I don't want to watch that." Um <laughs> So, I yeah, I don't know. I respect uh, that. Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah. And then of course, um, you know, uh, last week I said, we're sandwiching our bad news. Yeah, uh, yeah. we lost Steve Ditko, uh, the co-creator of Spider-Man. Yeah. Um, he was 90 years old though. So, you know, it's, we can't be too sad. Yeah. He was it's, 90 years old, makes he was sense. 90 years old. And he, he had a new issue of a comic book come out in May. Jeez. Jeez. Yeah. He never he never stopped making books. He's been making uh he's been he's been making uh his own Ditko books that are like everything was just hand drawn and like photocopied. Uh, wow. Like like he's been doing that for 15 20 years, something yeah. like that. Yeah. Um he's got a guy who uh sells the books directly to retailers who want it. Like I don't even think he solicits it through Diamond. Like he just he just yeah, self he just makes wow. yeah he just he just pure self-publishing and i think i think even even then uh i think he does uh kickstarters for every issue wow um i had no idea yeah um yeah yeah I mean, so he did he did all of that uh and ne just never stopped making making stuff yeah i mean this is this is huge i it it, it almost took me a few days to kind of just process the the scope of it because mm -hmm. um it's not like when I was growing up, I was going back and reading like the original like Ditko run that often or something like that. It's not like I was, you know, uh, right. Immersed in it. But the the more you research um, 
the way people talk about Steve and the the way they reference his stuff, and if you if you go back and look at his art, and uh, <laughs> he was more influential than pretty much anybody other than Jack Kirby, uh, I I would say. Yep. Um, and and it is it is tough in some circles when you talk about like, well, what's the big deal with like Steve Ditko? I was like, well, he you know co-creator of spider-man he, he made spider-man where they're like yeah but like stan lee wrote spider-man and it's the the method that marvel used to write back then which i'm sure most of our listeners understand and this it, probably people who have been you know listening to this show for a while are get this um but but a lot of people don't is the idea that like the artist was making the story that yep stan would come to him with a premise maybe or a character and say you know this week this will happen and then Steve would go make the story and write and, and draw everything. Um, yeah. I mean, that's right. <laughs> speci- specifically like what happened was like early on, like, mm-hmm. cause the Marvel, the quote unquote Marvel method, mm-hmm. um, which, which Stan sort of created with those, uh, those, those original Marvel books mm-hmm. was that, um, he would write out the plot and he would say everything that was going to happen in the issue. Yeah. And then he would give it to the artist and they would draw it. It wasn't broken down into panels. They drew it however they wanted to draw it. Right. Like this is the um, scope of the story, but you make the individual right. decisions of what looks what way. Yeah. Right, 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 right. And then he would go over and write all of the the dialogue and narration and stuff mm-hmm. um, right before it went to, you know, letterers or colorists and all of that. And then yeah. got printed and yada, yada, you got your issue. Um, but – what was happening is after a few years at Marvel and Marvel was getting more and more successful, uh, Stan was writing like 12 books a month. Like it was just, <laughs> it was insane because he kept creating characters and kept, you know, uh, he, you know, he was at a certain point, he was writing like Incredible Hulk, Iron Man, X-Men, Fantastic Four, Avengers, Captain America, Spider-Man, <laughs> you know, like it was... <laughs> Like all, like all at the same time, it was insane. And and you know, you get to a certain point, and like he couldn't even write plots anymore. Yeah. So about halfway through the Spider-Man run with Ditko, he basically just told Ditko, like, make the stories whatever you want. Tell me what they are, and I'll write the dialogue at the end. Yeah. And that's what this story that we're we're going to be talking about today. If this be my destiny, um, that's what this was. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was this is all Ditko. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just that the, the narration and dialogue happen to be written by Stan. Written by Stan. And to be yeah. as, as clear as we can be, uh, writing the dialogue passes <laughs> and the narration of something is, is important, but it's probably the, the least difficult part of writing a thing. Like the hardest stuff is figuring out the story and the shape of the narrative and the cause and effect beats and like the pacing of it yep. and how things fit together and how, like... The work of writing, much of the work of writing, is not that bit at the end where you are typing out the phrases. It is right. f- figuring out all the stuff. And that, yeah. is, that is what Steve did for S- Spider-Man. <laughs> someone described the writing process, um, especially the early process of like figuring out plot, mm-hmm. uh, as... Um, it's, it's as if your brain created a puzzle for you that you can't sh- solve. <laughs> yeah, yeah and, that's it. And that's, that's correct. That is what it feels <laughs> like. Oh boy, here I go again. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, so it's to call him just the person who drew these comics is not really getting anywhere close to the iceberg of his influence. Right. There. And Right, and it's why their falling out happened the way that it did because yeah. he was given the reins on Spider-Man creatively by Stan like saying like you write the thing. So he created this you know, he 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 created this character of the Green Goblin. He wanted it to be a big mystery of like who the person was and in his mind the point was that like there's so many people in New York when you get the reveal of who this person is like Spider-Man is not going to know who he is because yeah. he's just some guy. He never would have met him before this new maniac. Right. Yeah. And that was that was the whole that was the whole point to him. But then Stan came up with the idea. I think it should be Harry's father, Norman Osborn. Mm-hmm. And uh, he wasn't he wasn't having that. Yeah. And it was because he was like, no, 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 you don't get to come into my house now. And tell me how to write this character. Right. Because it's all I've been doing. You gave me the reins. Yeah. You can't now just take that away from me. Uh, but he did. Yeah. And uh, he left the book as a result. <laughs> um, yeah. And uh, that's how we lost uh, Steve Ditko from uh, Spider-Man. Um, and, then, and then just like just general crediting and Right. And all sorts issues of issues. I mean, he was a, he yeah. was a very uh, high-strung type of... Uh, Yes. High strong isn't the right word, but a uh, very uptight, intense person. Uh, yeah, well, he was. I don't even know if uptight is necessarily the right word. It was <laughs> just that he he was definitely intense, mm-hmm. and he was he just he had a very specific view of justice. Yeah, and if things weren't, <laughs> yeah, he was he was uncompromising in that belief of what he felt was justice. Yeah. And when he felt like that thing with the Green Goblin, like there's no justice in this. Like mm-hmm. I, I am writing this book. He's writing the dialogue and stuff, but like I'm plotting it. I'm drawing it from scratch. Like it's it's all mine, and you're taking all the credit. And mm-hmm. not only taking the credit for my work, but also not even letting it be my work. Right, right, and that's. You couldn't abide by that. And it's right. It's a similar vibe I get to someone like uh, Bill Watterson. Uh, not to the same degree because <laughs> Bill had a much more, I don't know, uh, open and generous politics. Uh, but like um, <laughs> the idea of like people wanting to like license uh, Calvin and Hobbes and him saying like no a few times and then people trying to turn this thing that he loved into a like cash making machine for like stuffed animals and you know cartoons and corporate interests and Bill just being like you know what I'm out and then just like (laughs) ending the comic and never making another thing again and never relinquishing on the rights of it just because he had the purity of his art that he was devoted to and this felt like unjust in a way and then became a recluse and never like did any public interviews like it's a i think when you are a person who is doing doing art in this type of medium where you are making the story decisions and making the characters and creating the world and then with a stroke of your hand bringing them to life like directly tactily on the page you are the actor and the casting director and you are the set designer and you are the you know costume designer and the creator like when you are doing a working in this medium where it's all you all you out there on the page i do think if you are a 
like decidedly revered genius in that field, you might not <laughs> respond well if people try to infringe on that. And you just like, all right, I'm mm -hmm. out and you're gone. Um, I get it. I, I wouldn't have wanted it to be that way, but I get it. Um, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. So it, yeah, yeah. I mean, he was, and it's not just Spider-Man, you know, it's, Doctor Strange. Doctor, yeah, Doctor Strange. Uh, one of my favorite characters. One of my other favorite characters of all time. The Question. Yeah. Um, he made Squirrel Girl. That's his. Like, <laughs> yeah, Squirrel Girl, Blue Beetle. Uh, it's... I mean, it's crazy. I, I, the, I. Uh, not to say that this is an upside because there's no upside to death. But yeah, yeah. Um, I do. I do hope that uh, with his death, DC will republish his early Blue Beetle and the question stuff because sure. it is literally not available anywhere. Ugh. It just doesn't exist. Yeah. Just and you know library. it's in their library somewhere. But it's not, it hasn't been published. Like there's no, you can't find it. Um, which is crazy to me. Yeah. So I, uh, I really do hope that they, uh, they publish his uh, DC work Totally. Um, yeah. Because Marvel's been pretty good about publishing his Marvel stuff. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, but even, even but weirder uh, stuff. Um, yeah. Because he was DC, uniquely weird. So like, that's another aspect yes. of it. It was like... <laughs> he... <laughs> sure, we might... If we didn't have Steve Ditko, we might have had a character named Spider-Man, maybe. Because uh, it was an idea Stan came up with. Hey, let's have a character named Spider-Man. That could be our new character. Um, but, you know... Steve created the costume and the web shooters and the idea of him being this like science nerd, angry, like frustrated kid mm -hmm. who then ends up with these powers. And, you know, like we, we wouldn't have this hero. Um, no, almost anything iconic about Spider-Man we would not have without Steve Ditko. And it's to the mm -hmm. degree I was thinking about like on the drive over here, I was thinking about like one the, Early, early days on this podcast, one of the first times we mentioned Steve Ditko, I pronounced his name wrong a couple times because, <laughs> because this is a word I read before I heard it out loud. Right. Like, that's how early I, I, I dealt with this stuff. Like, when I was, like, four or five and my brother was showing me old Spider-Man comics and I was asking about, like, who created Spider-Man and he was showing me, like, well, here you can say, see, created by Stanley and Steve Ditko that I was like a you know a, a kid reading these words and not knowing how to pronounce them and I did a little flip with two of the um <laughs> with two of the letters like dyslexic wise and that stuck with me for years because mm -hmm. it was years before I heard somebody say the name out loud but like that's how early I learned about him I mean he was mm -hmm. there's a um a documentary, well, it's not a documentary, it's like a TV special that uh, Jonathan Ross did for the BBC4 a few years ago, where um, Jonathan Ross, who's a TV presenter, comedian in uh, um, the UK, is a huge fan of Steve Ditko, and he wanted to um, do a television show about him, and like the big sort of like thing at the end was get him more credit you know because he deserves more credit for his work and talk about the importance of his work and then maybe we'll see if we can interview him and anybody who hasn't seen it should go check it out like if you search jonathan ross steve ditko it'll pop up um and uh, i don't want to spoil how it ends but i don't think it is a spoiler to say like <laughs> he was not able to get an interview with steve ditko because that's how 
locked away he was from the thing, but to watch people talk about, like the people he got to talk about, the influence of Steve Ditko. I mean, it's like sit down interviews with Neil Gaiman and um, mm-hmm. with uh, uh, Alan Moore. Um, mm-hmm. Alan Moore, who is a famous recluse as well. Yeah, exactly. But he came out to talk about to Steve talk Ditko. About, because that's how important it was, yeah. And yeah. Um, to talk about, to hear them talk about the influence of him and the the bold, weird choices he used to make with creating characters that were the mundane turned strange and not just like square jawed Americana heroism like Captain America. Like right. we don't end up with weird lizard creatures as uh, foes or men with tentacles coming out of their bodies and stuff like that. Right. Without it was Steve. it was his idea to make the Bruce Banner turn into the Hulk when he gets angry. Yeah. <laughs> that was him. Because originally, if you read those early issues, it, it's literally like, oh, the moon is out. He's like a werewolf. <laughs> like, it's weird. The it's, gamma. it's, it's, yeah. Yeah. The gamma turned me into a, a wolf, a werewolf Hulk. Um, and it's real strange. And yeah. then he gave Stan the idea of like, wh- why doesn't he do it when he's angry? Right. Like, he turns mm-hmm. into like this monster that, destroys a bunch of stuff i mean like you know everybody could relate to being angry and feeling like that monster so just make the way that you feel come out on the outside it's i think it's partially why i've always had um trouble connecting a little bit with with hulk Mm -hmm. and and it's only because he gave that idea but they'd already created the character so they already had bruce banner and bruce banner is just such a mild-mannered person <laughs> he's always depicted as a very mild-mannered person that the the uh the thematic relevance of his anger becoming like a crazy beast like it, 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 i've always had trouble connecting to it because i've never bought Bruce Banner is an angry person like because he's never is meant he to be. how often fly off the handle? Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, <time>. exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, but like, yeah, if they had had Steve Ditko on from, from Go, if he had used Steve Ditko as like more of a colleague and a sounding board, he would have had that idea early on and maybe Bruce Banner would be a slightly different kind of character to mm-hmm. uh, fulfill that for me because it's a brilliant idea. Oh, it's yeah. It's a completely brilliant idea. And it's such an iconic part of that character that wouldn't exist if it wasn't for Steve Ditko. And that's mm-hmm. insane. Yeah. Yeah. That's the mark he left is, is astounding and enormous. And I mean, this ties into a bit like on our Incredibles episode that we were talking about. Um, I do want to at least make the distinction of um, like talking about being a fan. I don't know if the fan is the right word anymore. Um, I talk about the the work of Steve Ditko because what he made was so meaningful to me. Like the character of Spider-Man, all the stuff that I like about Spider-Man, I, I wouldn't have been the kid making this red and blue costume as a child if it weren't for Steve Ditko, obviously. All of the mm-hmm. big Spidey stuff, all the weird, interesting ideas there are meaningful to me because of what Steve Ditko did. So I have to honor that. That's not to say I am a devoted fan of steve ditko and all of his works and all of his like uh politics um that well, certainly not his politics definitely um, not his politics uh yeah like that's yeah no 100 percent. calling him a great Though, artist is not calling him like a solid dude I, it's just I, yeah <laughs> well i actually i've heard i've heard that that he was nothing. He's he's nothing but like a gentle, a very nice, kind, 
professional person. person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> so, so it's not even it, it's his his personal politics are like. Uh, everyone that I've known that have met him mm-hmm. have just been like, yeah, he does believe that weird Ayn Randian stuff to his core, mm-hmm. but you would never know talking to him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which is which is really interesting. I don't I don't know I don't know I would I would have liked to have talked to him about his politics just because like I want to understand how someone who is described as like this gentle guy who mm-hmm. believes in justice and all these things. I mean, I guess, I guess to a certain extent, you know, the, uh, you know, isn't a man, isn't a man, uh, uh, entitled to the sweat of his own brow. Right. Yeah. Is a sense of justice. Right. I mean, <laughs> you can make that argument. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 You can, you, you, I mean, you can see empathetically, you can see right, sure. how point A leads to point B. Yeah. Um, especially, especially, especially with his history in the medium. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh huh. Yep. Uh, I, I would, I would not be surprised if, uh, Stan Lee wasn't a little to blame for, uh, who is politics. Right. For how he ended up the way Cause like, it, and ran stuff didn't get big until after Steve was already like an adult working in things. And then he became very, right. very into it and started to make his own comics that were, uh, tr- totally transparent attempts to get that philosophy, uh, out to young people, um, that they didn't, right. <laughs> didn't really respond, uh, that well to this, <laughs> <laughs> but even stuff like that, like the, um, like Mr. A and whatnot, which is, a mind i i'm trying not to curse as as much on this one because i know it's going to go on the main feed um (laughs) a very nutty weird dark big chip on his shoulder type of character that is just about you know there is right and there is wrong and there's nothing in between and uh you know a a version of morality that does not allow for circumstance um Mm-hmm. Like bla- breaking a law is always wrong, and any law you break deserves the full might of Mister A's fury being brought down upon you. Is cr- it's scary? It's weird, and it's you know proto-fascist and creepy and all that. But it's a dude with this black and white card and this blank face and this like you know trench coat and whatnot who goes out beating up criminals and whatnot. And um, if you, yeah, it's hey, here's it's, the thing with his here's the thing with his uh, his indie books that yeah. he did, like Mister A, <laughs> yeah, um. They're 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 all just his Marvel and DC characters that he's continuing their yeah. stories. Because <laughs> uh, Mr. A is just the question. It's just Q the question, a. but it's, more. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's the question. Uh, yeah. It's the question. And there's there's a Spider-Man character. I forget which one it is. Uh-huh. But one of them is literally a continuation of his Spider-Man run, like from issue thirty-eight. Like, oh, he just picks it up. Oh, great. He just yeah. picks it right up out oh. with this new character and just continues the story he was trying to tell yeah it's it's you know again it's like a very unique very personal uh work that i mean the art in it is amazing um even if i think it's sort of like an (laughs) an ugly thing to make um it's it was still influential in a a way that a lot of people might not even notice like (laughs) the whole concept of like rorschach in watchmen which is yep. quote unquote one of the oh my god I did it again one of the most influential comics <laughs> of all time like one of the pinnacles <laughs> of the art form Watchmen the Alan Moore's um, you know a seminal work uh, sort of taking... when I put this out on the feed I'm going to call this the quote unquote weekend bugle god damn 
Um, um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to do that. Thank I'm just you. kidding. I appreciate it. But you could is the problem. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> the, the character of Rorschach from Watchmen is a direct reference to Mr. A and the work of Steve Ditko. And it was an attempt by Moore to point out how this sort of ideology that is focused on one type of heroism to an extraordinarily scary degree is an ugly and scary thing when Mm -hmm. if we are going to deconstruct the concept of a superhero this is an important part of it to do and this is the character i will use to make that argument um right and what is what is kind of wild to me is like there are people who miss that with rorschach and are like way into rorschach uh which okay fine like people can misread things but that like I well, I also think people don't misread things and they just genuinely think that that's great. Um, yeah, because that's the problem is like you can't you can't read it as criticism if you don't read it as criticism, you know, like, yeah, yeah, if you're just if you're just being like, oh, yeah, this is great. It's then- like I, I ran into like like racist people who still said they were like fans of Harry Potter and like the like, yeah, the whole like, don't, the concept of like the like muggle-born blood stuff and all that like it like, never the the metaphor like the never guy, made it across like it's never. like that guy who said that uh uh there is absolutely no uh no what it uh, not nazi iconography being used oh, in, star in star wars yeah yeah like <laughs> that's ridiculous yeah it's like, yeah, it's like oh. if you're not gonna read it it'll never you'll never get it if you're not gonna even entertain reading it so yeah like there's yeah that character that is so intense and like has had so many weird intense discussions around him rorschach is sort of a a distillation of an influence of ditko um yeah well i i i think in many ways he kind of just is ditko um yeah i think uh i think he just is i think because you know rorschach the whole idea is like you know you see what you want to see yeah, uh, and everything's and, black and, and white because of the yep, mask. Yeah, yep, yeah. yep, yep. And and uh, and also, you know, that's sort of Titko, right? It's like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, he had weird politics, but he was always nice to me, and his work is really good. <laughs> you know. <laughs> um. But anyway. Anyway. Uh, all um, that. All that aside. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. No. I mean, just Ditko's work is just absolutely incredible. I mean, you know, two. Uh, very recently, he was mm. still like if you wrote him a fan letter, he would hand write a letter back to you. Yeah, yeah, uh, and that's that's crazy. Uh, that's crazy that that he does that. It's that's amazing, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I just think that I just yeah. I mean, he was uh, he was uh, just a phenomenal artist, mm-hmm. and he there are um, techniques art techniques that he wouldn't exist in comics. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. he pioneered them. Um, There's one bit in uh, If This Be My Destiny, uh, uh, in issue 31, the Mm -hmm. montage of Peter's first day at college. Yes. Um, It's, that's completely, that's completely insane that someone was doing that in the early 60s. It's like he's inventing film techniques. It's crazy. Um, Should we just, should we go into the uh, the comics then at this point? I mean, um, yeah, definitely. God, it's just, it, it's all there straight up. Like, obviously he's a huge Titan, very, uh, we're all indebted to the work that he did in terms of creating these people. But why don't, why not we, why don't we look at some of the 
primary sources. So the ones that we chose, not we, it's Scott figured all this out, uh, were <laughs> This Be My Destiny 31 to 33. I like how we're talking about Ditko and you had to make sure that I got my credit. I know, right? Jeez. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like, if I've learned anything from Ditko, it's to credit people. Amazing <laughs> <laughs> uh, Spider-Man number 31 to 33 from the sort of latter half of his work um, on the thing. So mm-hmm. yeah, so the... Um, 31 starts off. Let me scroll to my notes so I know what I'm doing. Well, I mean, I, I think we can just sort of generally talk about it. I don't yeah. I don't even know if we necessarily need to, to go beat for up. beat with it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. But uh, I think the reason that I chose this um, is like, one, because it's like kind of his final epic on the book. Yeah. Uh, I think I think everything after this are uh, one one shots or maybe maybe there's a one two parter in there. Yeah, doubles. Um, but, yeah. But, but I think mostly they're just one shot stories uh, until he uh, wraps up. Mm-hmm. Um, this story introduced Harry Osborn, yeah, Gwen Stacy, yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's Peter's first week in college, and it really goes to show. It really sets the tone for what I think of when I think of Peter Parker and Spider Man. Like, mm-hmm. you know, there the. The thing we were just talking about with the Spencer Otley book is not far for, removed from what was going on here. You know, like he is, he is paying for uh, the mistakes of, you know, not doing the right thing or whatever. But like yeah. he's paying for these mistakes, and it's like affecting his personal life or whatever. Yeah. Um, for you know, just something else going on in his personal life and that is sort of out of his control but also like he's kind of to blame for it yep, at the same yep, time yeah um and it's and it's the same thing that's happening here like in this issue he is going to college but um aunt may is sick and he finds out that one she's just sick and so he's on his first day he's really friendly with everybody and everything mm-hmm. and then on a the second day when she goes to the hospital he is just in his head and just thinking about Aunt May and like, oh God, what if something happened to her? I've been taking her for granted for mm-hmm. so long and uh, and I just thought she'd always be there and like, what if she's not always there? And she, so she, he's just thinking and like all these people that he met the day before are like, hey Pete, and he's just completely blowing them off and ignoring them because right. he's not even hearing them because he's so in his own head. And so everyone was like, what a dick. <laughs> like everyone is just like, so wow. Yeah, God, this guy's the worst. Um, and and so like everyone, you know, Flash is trying to introduce Peter to Harry and Gwen, and he just blows past them. And it, you know, he's just in his own head about Aunt May, and and it is affecting his personal life with all these people who would become staples in his uh, ensemble later on. But it was just amazing seeing that. Like that is quintessential peter parker to me yes yeah all the stuff that makes the like the backbone of what makes spider-man the character work and makes his like drama work is all stuff established by steve like yeah it's just and it's 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 there here we even get to the point where it's like when he's out trying to like stay up and you know and fix things then he ends up too tired to perform well at school and then that makes things worse but like things start to spiral because of directly because of his spider-manning stuff and um what we eventually learn i don't know it's in the second issue or something is that literally the reason aunt may is sick 
is because um, she, he had given her, she had been ill a while prior to this and she'd gotten a blood transfusion from Peter and the latent mm-hmm. radioactive whatever stuff in his blood is um, making her stuff break down and she might die. Um, yeah. Where <laughs> quite literally Spider-Man is killing Aunt May. Um, right. It's, oh. <laughs> it, it's what he always feared. Yes. He but was he just right. Leapfrog past him and just did it on its own. Yeah, <laughs> it's um, it's powerful stuff. And and the thing I kept thinking when I was looking at it because obviously it it looks dated in some ways, but in in most ways, the ways that matter, I was just kind of blown away with how inventive it was. Um, obviously, if you look at art from the '60s in a comic book that was like meant to be printed on smaller pages with a four color printing process it it doesn't look as refined as art like that's in the nick spencer book right now like um right there's there's none of it is going to look as like dynamic and uh you know uh creative not creative is the right word yeah like you know, well, it's mean, dense but I, it's no one drew like that then no one drew know? like that then yeah and what what Steve Ditko is doing is for the limitations he's under, which is a printing process that will render smaller details blurry and can't accommodate more than a handful of colors. How do you make something that reads properly and tells the story mm-hmm. and all of that stuff? It's like he's it, like you, remember, you see somebody like training for a big like triathlon or something, and they like strap a bunch of weights to their like ankles and their wrists and stuff, and they're like, "I'm artificially mm-hmm. constrained, but I'm like, you know, I I have all these extra things on me that are keeping me back." But then you the, you still see them like keeping pace, and then when they take those off, things are crazy. It's like he's drawing, creating art with all these extra like um, restrictions on him, and. It creates a a simpler style, but it's it's bold and it's it's still weird and interesting and cool and like just seeing him come up with stuff like having ghostly images of like Aunt May and Uncle Ben's heads around him when he's like really stuck in a bad place, yeah. and just like coming up with visual ways to tell the story that don't violate this these rigid boxes or changing the size of the panels depending on how the mm-hmm. how the pace of the story it's it's constrained but he is doing really creative stuff with it. it it will look basic if you just like today for the first time ever are googling what does steve ditko like draw like it will like oh that's kind of simple but if you look at the way it's used which is telling a story in this limited frame it's just kind of incredible it's, yeah, no, it's it's uh, deceptively simple too because mm-hmm. I mean this is this is a thing that you don't you don't really um get into until you've been reading comics for a while and like really care about comics as a medium and you're not just sort of like passively reading it, which is totally fine. Sure, I mean, sure. I you know, that's a totally valid way of reading comics. Like do what you want. I'm yeah. just but <laughs> I've been reading, you know, I've been reading comics for I mean, like Decades. every week, yeah, every week for fifteen years, something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
what you learn over time is the thing the guy the 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 artists that are really impressive are the ones who tell a story through their art like the ones that if you took the dialogue and the narration away and you just looked at the artwork you can tell what the story is about yeah uh and ditko's one of those guys for sure yeah it's crazy um so uh in the midst of his uh worrying about aunt may and you know trying to find his way or whatever there's a i don't know if i would call it a subplot but a plot revolving around the bugle where um one of the reporters, like, J.J. wants a bigger story or something like that, and one of the reporters finds out that there are these heists going around. There's, like, somebody stealing atomic and radioactive equipment around town. And at one point, he finally, this guy gives, like, a scoop to Spider-Man that he can't call the police on this thing that he knows yet because he went and infiltrated in a, a, a dive bar or whatever for criminals. But he knows there's going to be a heist of this type of equipment somewhere, and the... The gang, the master planner's gang, is going to pull off this heist, and nobody knows who the master planner is, and his gang is buying up all these radioactive uh, equipment and, and whatnot. And um, through that, when do we learn the identity? Is it the end of the second? Uh, no, second? no, it's the it's the, In the first f- page of the second issue. <laughs> oh, second issue, yeah, yeah. The like the the you get the opening splash page, and then like the very next page is just like, oh, it's Doctor Octopus. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's not even like a reveal. It's just like. There you go. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> underwater, underwater thing. There it is. Um, yeah. So the big bad in this arc here is Dr. Octopus, which again feels uh, relevant to our uh, current um, focus in uh, yeah. uh, what we're doing on the main, on the main show. Um, and again, just like watching like the the purest form of Dr. Octopus, which is the original like 1960s like goggles and uh I'll show them type of Dr. Octopus. Um he's still so like compelling and dynamic even though he hasn't become the you know dance law version yet. Uh it's still like, "Oh wow, somebody somebody created Dr. Octopus. <laughs> somebody like came up with this and implemented him and he's like one of Spider-Man's strongest foes when he's introduced and this is the big bad that he's got to deal with. Um, I don't know. I just got this like weird sense of, you know, when you're at a museum and you like see an artifact that was like used by somebody in like the, I don't know, the middle ages or whatever. And for a second you're like, oh wow, that looks cool. And then a second later you're like, whoa, somebody like used that. Like an actual person, like a, yeah. a living, breathing person like me use this um and lived a whole life and they this isn't just history like a thousand years ago yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. where there's there's this scope of humanity that clicks into place and you go kind of oh my god and i would have that feeling when i was reading this arc because somebody made up dr octopus and had him fight spider-man somebody did that and it was this man and they, yeah. like they, these, as much as they feel like, uh, you know, as much as they take up the place in our culture that like mythology might, if we were like Norse uh, people or whatever, that we, we didn't have that sort of like big cultural mythology in um, the westernized part of America, we have superheroes instead, but they didn't exist before the 60s. Well, these ones didn't um, exist before the 60s. Batman and Superman did before that. The idea that some dude did this kind of kept blowing my mind the way when I see like a a fork that somebody held in the middle ages, I was like, Oh wow. Like this is, 
it's a lot just to watch it work and to work so um fluidly it's like oh there's it's all there it's all spider-man it's, it's spider-man happening all of the pieces um in the 60s i don't know i kind of belabor that a bit much but i think it was worth pointing out that just it's if you haven't read the original stuff in a while go back and read it and it is kind of mind-blowing it is great mm-hmm. it's yeah it's great by today's standards <laughs> yeah no i mean it is and and it's I, I'm I'm just sort of uh, I think the thing that I'm always blown away reading this stuff is just um, how I mean this is this is perfectly plotted this yeah three issue arc mm-hmm. of because you know that that bit where he's trapped under the stuff and uh, you know the final chapter yeah the, uh, when he's most famous trapped bit. under yeah when he's trapped under the stuff the stuff they, the thing they recreated in in Homecoming. Mm-hmm. Um, He's trapped under there and can't get out. Like he's like in a submarine, <laughs> um, <laughs> trapped under a bunch of wreck- wreckage or whatever. Uh, and he is trying to get out of the wreckage, but it's too heavy. And that's when you do that bit where you're talking about where he sees like the sort of spirit of Aunt May and Uncle Ben like talking mm-hmm. to him, and he's thinking back on all these things. And he finally gets uh, the power to, um lifted off of him Mm -hmm. but the thing about it is like in uh in in homecoming like it really is just a moment of like i have to stop him from getting the plane right um and i have to save myself right i have to save myself uh that's more of about that that was more about a like a, a kid being scared yes um this was about like he had the serum that Kirk Connors needs to make the antidote for Aunt May to save her. Mm-hmm. And he's got the serum, but he's trapped under this stuff. And so he has to find the power to lift this stuff so he can save Aunt May. Yeah. Because uh, he doesn't, he's like, I don't care if I die. I don't want her to die. Exactly. Exactly. It's, it's not just oh, there is a plot thing happening and I have to find the strength to stop the plot thing from happening. It is at this point in the story, there are layers of culpability that involve Spider-Man. And it's, Aunt May is sick because of me. And Aunt May might die because of me. And I am the only person that can save Aunt May because the one thing that can save her is here. But Dr. Octopus stole it, so I had to come here to get it. And it's right in front of me, but I'm trapped. And if I don't, and again, we still have the things from the you know modern version of Homecoming, the the lighter version, where yes, he is trapped and he might die because there is you know a crack in the ceiling and water is coming in. He personally is in danger, and the bad guys get, might get away. But there's those other four layers on top of it. So when he is there struggling, and it's four entire pages of panels dedicated to the him. inner struggle struggling to lift this thing and it's it it might be the most riveting section of comic books i've ever read it's Mm. yes the 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 words like the dialogue that stan put in there is a little old-fashioned you know a little corny uh but everything in terms of storytelling and plot and character and visuals is working on such a high level um, that I, I don't think you can snark your way through this. It is genuinely moving. It is, yeah. Uh, you know, I 
it didn't matter that I wasn't like a kid in 1963, like uh, in a corner of a drugstore, like flipping through this. Uh, it didn't matter that I was like looking at it on a laptop and like a slightly, slightly janky uh, app or whatever that moves around. I still got caught up in the emotion of it and like got tears in my eyes because it, it's Spider-Man. It's everything that Spider-Man means um, distilled into this one sequence. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. Um, no, I mean it was it was great, and it was uh, I had to stop from reading the next issue. Uh, yes, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I just wanted to keep going because uh, I just I love I love that era of Spider Man so much. This is my favorite era of Spider Man, and this is the start of it. Yeah, you're about to go sprinting into college. It's the, yeah. the first college story. It is it. Right. Um, yeah, it's a new era. Yeah. Um, yeah. It I, says it on the cover. <laughs> Um, so anyway, uh, yeah, so Ditko is just, um, you know, to say that he had a powerful influence on Spider-Man is an understatement. To say he had a powerful in- influence on comics in general is an understatement. Uh, he was, he was a, uh, he was a force of an artist, that's for mm-hmm. sure. Um, and there's, uh, I mean, there's a reason why he has so many diehard fans, you know? Yeah. Even even Kirby doesn't have the diehard fans like Ditko has, um, right. and you know Kirby is incredible as well. Oh uh, yes, yeah, yeah, it's it's unbelievable. But I think I think Kirby with Kirby, it's more of just like he was equal to Stan Lee for like the number of like wacky, crazy ideas that he could just come up with. <laughs> yeah, um, all the things that he created are is it's nuts. Yeah, uh, but but. There's something about Ditko that really connects with people on a really, really deep level. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, like, I think Kirby is, like, more of just a respect thing. Yeah. Where people are just like, wow, I can't believe that guy came up with all those things. Same thing with Stan Lee. But, like, Ditko, there's something special about him. He made things uh, that were so meaningful. Uh, like, yeah, it's not just, oh, wow, what a cool idea. It's, oh, this is a fundamental, like... I mean, for, for better or ill, some of it, but like this is a f- fundamental influence on me in my life now that I've witnessed it type of thing. Yeah. Like Spider-Man saying something like, uh, I have to call on all that strength that I have, all the power that I possess. I have to prove equal to the task. I got to be worthy of that strength or I don't deserve it. Like that, that is a like philosophical text for a person if it hits them at the right point in, in their life. Um, yeah, and changes the way they see the world. Um, yeah, it. If you just read the, if you haven't read them, read these. They are amazing. Um, mm-hmm. I you could go on. We probably could have done an episode of this show just talking about those four pages with the machine <laughs> on it because yeah. The, <laughs> He changes the size of the panels and the number of the panels to reflect like the emotional journey. It's nuts. Um, yeah, it's nuts. And yeah, that's that's where it is. That's where it's all on display. Why this guy was special and why he means so much to people. Because um, to a, to a certain degree, for a while there, Ditko and Spider Man were kind of one and the same. Um, yep. So. Yep. I mean, in, in a lot of ways, I think that, um, uh, 
I mean, I think that's what, I think that's the thing, right? It's like, that's, that's, that's kind of, uh, that's kind of, I mean, Peter Parker is, was Ditko in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, I think he saw himself in that character. Like Peter Parker was Ditko as a young man and Stephen Strange was Ditko as uh, an older man (laughs) who just wanted to be like, yeah, well, and that's, but that's the thing. Those, that's what he was attracted to His characters were like these arrogant people who were put in their place by fate. Yes. Um, And I think that, I think that he, I think he knew who he was and I think he was working through uh, the issues that he had as in his character yeah. through his characters his characters yeah um yeah. because i think cuz even even doctor strange you look at doctor strange and it's like okay you look at peter parker and it's like peter parker is a kid who uh you know when he could have done the right thing he didn't mm-hmm. and he paid the price for it and now all he does is make sure that he is doing the best with what he has to offer and if you look at if you look at you know this guy who's a young comic book artist, yeah, you could draw parallel lines yeah. to what his career was probably like early on, and it was probably not until Spider Man that he was like, yeah, I really shouldn't just be doing garbage. I should yeah. be doing something that means something to me. If if I so have this ability, I have to use it to do good. I have to try. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have to I have to do something worthwhile with it. And Doctor Strange is then this guy who's just like this guy who's like I'm the best and like I'm not going to use these hands on just anything. <laughs> and then he is promptly put in his place and then is just like, "Oh, I I I I have to learn to be I want if I want to be the best." At what I do, I need to learn all of these things. I need to not just be this one thing. I need to know all of the things. Yeah. And I think that that, in a lot of ways, when you look at Doctor Strange, that's sort of like who he became later in life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is this guy who is just learning new techniques and things forever. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I just think that's really interesting. Yep, totally. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. he put... A, Clearly, clearly a man who cared a lot about what he did. And yeah. however I, f- I feel about his like later work, and you know, I'm not into a lot of the stuff he was excited about, uh, this, <laughs> this early stuff is phenomenal. And it, it, was, mm-hmm. it was so phenomenal that it literally changed pop culture, period. Um, yeah. We, we, would not, we would not be living in a world with, you know, these billion dollar Marvel movies coming out we, no. we wouldn't without no. this guy. No, no question. No. no question. No, no, no. Yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, it's weird. Um, you know, after this happened and I was, uh, I was editing the show and we're like, you know, talking about, um, Harry Osborne on Friday's episode. And I was just oh, thinking yeah. about, I was just thinking about Harry and then I, I, and, and Dr. Octopus and, <laughs> Everything and I and I was just and Aunt May and and Peter and I just was like thinking about that. I was like, it's uh, they all started in here. Yeah. Like we're reading it. Like we're reading the first appearance of Harry Osborne, and now he's in a movie played by James Franco. Like it's just 
<laughs> and we're talking about it one minute at a time. It's just so weird. Um, yeah. But good week. Anyway. Yeah. 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 I guess the only character that we talked about this week that Ditko didn't create was uh, Bernard Hausman. <laughs> so, I'm sure he would have if he could have. <laughs> or an equivalent who has just a slightly yeah. different hat. Um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, um, Steve Ditko, crazy, crazy powerhouse of an artist. Uh, he his his work will be missed for yeah. sure. So, anyway, all right. Well, that's our show. Yeah, that's our show this week, everybody. Uh, hope you enjoyed. If you're not a Patreon supporter, I hope you enjoyed your your free preview. Um, it's only uh, three dollars a month now. You yeah. get uh, you get two of these a month, uh, and all of the other content like our movie reviews and things mm-hmm. like that. So all the other dueling genre stuff. It's a good deal. yeah yeah. <laughs> it is a good deal. Well, I think I think it's a good deal. Absolutely, I, it's I, a good deal. I, I strive to make it a good deal. Um, <laughs> so anyway, if you wanna if you wanna get the weekend bugle, it's three dollars a month on our Patreon. Three dollars. You're not gonna miss that three dollars. Guys, just sign up. It's a copy. Forget it's there. It's sign up. Get your RSS feed. Drop it in your podcast app, and then just forget that you're a patron because you're not going <laughs> to miss that three dollars. Let's be honest. Um, and it it means the world to us, mm-hmm. and uh, it helps helps us do things like uh, buy Spider-Man comics to right. talk about yeah. on this show. We can talk about yeah. it. We're, keep the yeah. hosting fees so we can actually put the podcast up. Like it, it all yeah. helps tremendously. Plus, you know, like I want to do things like live episodes and, and yeah. stuff like that. And um, we need uh, funds to yeah. do that. Travel expenses and things. So, um, yeah, I don't know. That's all the stuff that we're wanting to do with the Patreon. So uh, if you like what we do, help us out. Yeah, duelinggenre.com slash support. Uh, and if you are a Patreon supporter, thanks, guys. Thank you again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As always, thank you for uh, doing, the, doing the thing that you do. We appreciate yeah. it. Um, all right. Well, uh, we'll be back on, on Monday uh, with a new episode of Spider-Man Minute, and we'll be back in two weeks with another Weekend Bugle uh, back to being exclusive on Patreon. So we'll talk to you then. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Yeah. Just like the spider spider, just like the spider, just like the spider.